Well, let me just echo Caroline's welcome. So grateful that you're with us, and a special welcome to our scouts and their families. Grateful to worship with you today, and grateful for our 65 years of shared ministry together. Drawing near to God or finding yourself in the presence of God can be a very scary thing. We see this in our gospel reading that we just heard. Uh, This is a story that occurs early on in Jesus's ministry. We are told that Jesus is in the fishing boat of Peter. He's called Simon in the story. Later, he'll be called Peter, so I'm just going to call him Peter through the sermon. But he is in Peter's boat. He is teaching this large crowd on the shore. And when he finishes teaching, he turns to Peter and he, he says, I want you to take your boats out, out into the deep waters, and drop your nets there for a catch. Peter says to him, Jesus, we have been fishing all night. You know, we're, we're professionals. We've been out there all night. They would fish at night so the fish wouldn't see their nets. There's nothing out there. We haven't caught any fish. But because, because you've asked me, I'll, I'll do it. So they take the boats out, they throw the nets in, and surprise, surprise, they catch this enormous haul of fish. And what I want us to reflect on today is Peter's reaction to this occurrence, and and specifically, Peter's reaction to Jesus. This is what we read, Peter talking to Jesus Master, we have worked all night long, but we have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And here's the response of Peter. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Get away from me. This is a story about Peter encountering the greatness of Jesus. Peter knew who Jesus was, uh, that he was a famous rabbi. But in this, this story, in this event, Peter glimpses for the first time the real power of Jesus. This is not any ordinary man. And when Peter encounters the greatness, you might say the holiness of Jesus, what he says is he says, get away from me. I, I, am, not, I am not comfortable being near you. Leave me alone because I am a sinful man. I have a card here. Um, that says, the Lord is near. Uh, You know, when we we think about drawing near to God or the Lord being near to us, we typically don't think about it uh, in scary terms. No, instead we think about it like this card. I know you can't see it, so I'll describe it. Um, Some pastel colors, has some pretty pink, pink flowers on it. And again, the language... The Lord is near. If you go into a Hallmark star store, you will find lots of cards like this. God is near. 
Again, often there'll be pastel colors. Sometimes there'll be a picture of a stained glass window, light streaming through, someone with their hands folded looking up. They are meant to feel warm and toasty, right? We, we send them to people in difficult times. The Lord is near to make them feel better. And yet, in the Scriptures, when the Lord is actually near to people, that's not how people feel. A great example is our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. We heard Isaiah is in the temple, and the Lord shows up. Isaiah sees the Lord. And the, and the whole heavenly hosts sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The temple begins to shake. It fills with smoke. And what does Isaiah do? Well, Isaiah does what every one of us would do. He drops to his knees and he says, Woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. Just like Peter, he is scared to death because he recognizes he is a sinful man and he is standing before God. Job has an experience of God, meeting God. And this is what, what Job says in that moment. He says, I despise myself. I am dust and ashes. That, that's the word when he meets God. I despise myself. There is this sense of shame. Or, or take Genesis, that foundational story in those first few chapters that teach us about our life with God and our life with one another. We all know the story. Adam and Eve, they sin against God. And what happens after that? Well, we're told they were naked. They started off naked which probably speaks to their uh, spiritual and emotional openness and vulnerability. But now, since they've done this, this bad thing, they have shame. And so they cover themselves with clothing first, but then they hide from God. They don't want to be near God. Because you see, just like Peter, just like Isaiah, just like Job, they recognize because of their sin, because of their shame, they are not worthy to stand before the divine. I've referenced this, uh, I think I've referenced this book and this gentleman before in a sermon, but uh, in the early 1900s, there was a man named Rudolf Otto. He wrote a very famous book, still read today, called The Idea of the Holy. Um, Otto was not a Christian, but he was attempting to scientifically study religion. And what he says uh, is that uh, in every religion, even very primitive ones, what you find is that when people get clear, get close to or near to the divine or to the holy, he says they always experience something which he calls numinous awe. Numinous awe. He writes this. He says, Numinous awe is a traumatic experience of being ripped apart by completely opposing strong, passionate responses to the holy. He says, on the one hand, when you 
encounter the holy, you are, are actually, you're fascinated by it. You're drawn to it. You seek it. And yet he says, at the very same time, you are scared to death of it. You're intimidated by it because you realize that you are not worthy to stand before the divine. And we see this with Peter. In the beginning of our story, Peter's feeling pretty good about himself. Peter has the, the most famous rabbi in his boat. But then he glimpses the greatness of who Jesus is, glimpses the holiness of Jesus, and immediately, we're told, falls to the ground, and he says, get away from me, because I'm a sinful man. And what does Jesus say in response to Peter? Well, he says, and this was at the end of our reading, he says, Peter, don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid of me. From now on, you will be catching people. In other words, you don't have to be afraid of me. I am going to do a work of transformation in your life. I'm, I'm going to change you. Just, just come with me. Don't be afraid. Follow me, and I will change you. If you would, I grab your bulletin um, and look at the page that has the gospel reading. It's page three. And right underneath it, you'll see I've printed a section from John chapter 21. And I want to read this section to you. Uh, you know, where Luke 5 takes place early on in Jesus' ministry, John 21 takes place at the end of Jesus' ministry. This is, this is after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. This is a resurrection account. And uh, the reason why I want to read it is I don't think that we can understand Luke 5 unless we compare it with John 21. Because what commentators talk about is the fact that John 21 is deliberately echoing the story of Luke 5. They are very, very similar stories. Very similar. The one difference is Peter's response. So first, they're both stories about Peter again. And I'll read it in a second. But they're both stories about Peter. They're both stories about fishing at night, not catching any fish. That's the problem. In both stories, Jesus says to Peter, throw your nets into the water for a huge catch. In both stories, they get this huge haul of fish. The only difference is Peter's response to Jesus. Let me read this. It says this, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. 
So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked. We're going to come back to that. He put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. So again, this story takes place after the crucifixion and resurrection. And what we need to know is that at this point, Peter has not seen Jesus since the cross. So Peter has not seen Jesus since Peter denied him. So if Peter had some shame and guilt in Luke 5, he has a hundred times more shame and guilt now. Right? He has betrayed the one he loved. He has betrayed his master. And yet, despite all of this unresolved guilt, all of this shame that Peter was holding within himself, look at how he responds to Jesus. He doesn't hide from Jesus. He doesn't say, get away from me, Jesus. No, he does the very opposite. He cannot even wait to get to the shore in the boat. Instead, he jumps off the boat and swims to Jesus. He wants to get to Jesus as fast as he can. You know, something, something has happened in Jesus' life, and that something is the gospel. You know, the problem, the problem that the, the scriptures lay out for us is the problem of our sin and shame. Right? We, we have sin and shame. Shame before God and shame before others. We all walk around with it. But the promise is that Jesus came to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to one another in His death, in resurrection, in His forgiveness of us. He has taken away our sin and our shame. The New Testament talks about this in all different ways, with different images, different metaphors. But the promise is, is that because of Jesus, because of what He has done, a new type of relationship with God is possible. And a new type of relationship with one another is possible. A relationship without sin and shame. You know, that John 21 reading I pointed out that really strange but interesting detail, uh, the fact that we are told that Peter is naked while he's fishing and he puts on clothes. Uh, and commentators, almost all commentators, point this out as this strange little detail we're given. Uh, it says this, When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. And I did a lot of research trying to figure out, was this normal behavior when you went fishing at night back then, right? All right, we're going fishing. Let's all, let's all strip down. And I, I could not find that that was the case. No, instead what I found, and I found this in a number of ancient commentaries, is they argue what John is doing here is he is deliberately referencing Genesis 3 and the story of Adam and Eve. 
Remember in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they have no clothes. Just like Peter, no clothes. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, because of their shame, they cover themselves. Peter, Peter has shame, does the same thing. He covers himself. But the difference is, while Adam and Eve hid from God in their shame, Peter does the very opposite. He reverses the story in a sense. He rushes directly to the Lord. You see, Peter has been transformed. In John 21, we have a Peter who needs forgiveness. He feels so sinful and shameful because of his betrayal of Jesus. And yet now, his sins drive him. They actually drive him to Jesus. And so I think the question that each one of us should ask ourselves as Christians is this. Are we a Luke 5 Peter or are we a John 21 Peter? In other words, when you feel the worst, when you've, when you've blown it, when you've uh, failed, betrayed someone, betrayed yourself, does that sense of failure, does it make you not want to come to church? Does it make you not want to get on your knees and pray? Does your shame keep you from, from God? Or is it the opposite? Does your failure and shame, does it make you want to get as close as possible as you can to Jesus, just like Peter? Are you Luke 5, Peter, or are you a John 21, Peter? When my children were little, when they were very little, I, I did my best as a father to teach them how to pray. And so what we would do is every night we would gather up in a circle on the floor and we would go around and pray. And, and what I told them is I said, I want each of you, when it comes to your time to pray, is first I want you to name one thing that you want to thank God for today. Not generic like, I thank you for my friends. But I, I want something concrete today. I want you to name something you're thankful for. And then I said, I want you also to name something you need. Again, not, not generic, but concrete. Tell God what you need or maybe what a friend needs. And so we would do that night after night. And as I look back at that, that time now, um, I realize that while that was good, that I taught them how to be grateful to God and how to bring their needs to God, I did, in a sense, fail them because I didn't teach them how to bring their shame before God. Not, not in a perverse sense, that so they could feel bad about themselves or guilty, but so that they could know from that very young age that no matter what had happened in that day, no matter who they had hurt, a friend, a teacher, their parents, themselves, no matter what they had done, that it was safe to come before God. And you see, we forget to do that as well. And so I want to leave you today with one, just one piece of practical advice, and yet I think it is so fundamental 
in the spiritual life. If you in your life don't feel close to God, you know, there's times in our life we feel really close to God, but if you feel distant from God, I give you this challenge. Every day in your prayers, name your shame and your sin and your failures to God. Not in a generic sense, but take, take time and think through the day. How have you failed uh, to be the man or woman that God calls you to be? How have you betrayed uh, your friend or, or, or sinned against God or yourself? And then name those things to him very concretely. In our worship service every Sunday, we do speak and, and pray a general confession, which is very important. But we do this assuming that throughout the week, every day, we are naming our sins and failures to God. Every day, bring your shame to God. Be like Peter in John 21, because the truth is, that is what true discipleship looks like. It's having God graciously expose and meet us in our shame so that he can invite us into healing and wholeness, into a new type of life a new type of relationship with him. Because, friends, that is what God delights to do. Amen.